0: The high holidays are a time where we are told we need to consider making some changes in our lives, both big and small. They can range from small, mundane changes in our daily routines right, to major, profound upheavals in our lives. I've said it multiple times from this Bima. It was on Yom Kippur that I decided to leave the path of being a jeweler which I was on as a fourth generation, to becoming a rabbi. Right? And so really profound changes can happen at this time of year. But regardless of what changes you've determined you want to make, the question becomes, how? What steps do you need to take in order to make that a reality? In Judaism, we talk about there being two main paths to, take, to choose from. The first being sur meirah, which means to turn away from doing evil, or just whatever is not good for you. The other is ase tov, to start doing that which is good. Right, pretty simple, either stop doing something or you start doing something. So let's say, for instance, you maybe suffer from a good case of lashon hara, right? You like to chat every now and then, right? So the question would be, how do you stop committing lashon hara? So if you take the sur meh approach, that means you just stop talking about others full stop. Right? Just stop talking about them. Right? It's not always that easy, but right, that's one way to do it. If you take the Asetov approach, that would be ensuring that whatever you're saying about others is only good. Now, I know that Lashon HaRa also incorporates talking even good about other people, but let's just say if you want to at least get the ball rolling, better for you to be talking good about people than talking bad, right? Then next year you can work on not talking about people at all, right? Just talking about the weather, right? That's all you need to do. Both approaches, Sur Mirah and Aset are effective. And the fact is, at some point, both are necessary. Right? You can't just start doing good and you start doing a whole, and you're still doing a whole bunch of bad as well. At some point, you're going to have to stop doing that. Otherwise, you're known as what we call a Naval, a Naval Bershut Torah, a scoundrel in the realm of Torah. There are plenty of people like that. right? The question is, though, so which is the best approach to start with if you know you have to do both at some point? Unfortunately, the tradition provides conflicting answers of how to go about this. Of course, it does. We're Jews, we always have two opinions. So the phrases "sur mirah, and "ase tov" actually come from Psalms. So there are two places where those words are used together. Uh, in Psalm 34, it says, "Sur mirav, ase tov, b'ke shalom virad fehu." Right? Uh, turn away from evil and to do good. Request peace and pursue it. And then a few chapters later, in Psalm 37, it says, "Sur mirav, ase tov, alolam." You should turn away from evil and start doing good and you shall dwell forever. Those are the only two places those phrases are used together. And based on the order in which they appear in the psalm, one could easily assume that you have to start with sur mirah, you have to start with stopping certain uh, behaviors, and then you go to asetov, and just following the order of the the pasuk. And that is the exact approach that the sfat emet takes. The sfat emet Hasidic commentator about a hundred years ago, late 1800s, early 1900s, um, he is imperative that the only way to make room for good in our lives is to first clear out the bad, to give a mashal, to give a parable. If you want to refurnish your home, the new lovely couch, first, you're going to have to get rid of that old moldy couch. You have to get rid of it. And it makes sense. If you bring them in together, maybe that mold's going to get onto the new one and, or it, the house is still going to stink anyways. You've got to clear it out. And so that's the way the Sevarimah looks at it. However, the Netivot Shalom, a more modern Hasidic commentary um, that I've actually had the honor of going through a whole cycle of Torah learning the Netivot Shalom with Rabbi Bubis uh, when we were Chavruta. The Netivot Shalom Actually, he says the exact opposite: that you start with asetov, and then you do sormira. And what is his reasoning? He turns to the command Kidoshim to you: you all should be holy. And Kidoshim to you is a commandment that's said in the positive, in the affirmative. It's not stop doing all those things that make you unholy. It's be holy. And so, according to the tivah shalom, you have to start from a place of doing good. And then the idea is you'll be so motivated by all the good that you're doing, and you'll feel so good about it, you'll realize those bad things you were doing are just kind of holding you back, and you're going to want to clear them out of your life. The example he usually gives in in this case is talking about Shabbat. How Shabbat might seem like a bit of a drag at first, but then when you really start doing it, and you realize you don't have to do anything, you don't have to take phone calls. You don't have to respond to emails. You don't have to go to the store and take care of all those errands. You have an excuse to just relax. Then you realize, this is fantastic and you want it more in your life. Okay, I'm a halachist. As much as I'm a chassid, as much as I love you know, the spiritual teachings, I'm also very much into the Jewish law. And there are two schools of thought Uh, as far as how to come to a decision when you have conflicting opinions in a a Jewish practice. The first opinion is what's called a positivist approach. And if anybody is into constitutional law, you're familiar with positivism, which is that you have to do everything that, you have to look at the whole body of Jewish law and you cannot look outside of it. And so if you have two conflicting opinions, you then have to go to another opinion that probably comes from a more reputable source. Like, if you're talking about the late rabbis of the Talmud, then maybe you go to the rabbis of the Mishnah. And if the rabbis of the Mishnah that are disagreeing, then you go to the Torah. You have to find some more authoritative opinion. And if you don't find a more authoritative opinion, well then, both opinions remain equally valid. The other approach to Jewish law is looking outside of the body of halakha. And it could be turning to things like science and sociology and the like. And if you're looking outside of right, Jewish law, that can inform a lot of things. Our well-being, things that science now tells us is the right way to, uh, to approach things. And then plenty of rabbis take that approach. That actually is an approach that I take as well. I think sometimes we have to look outside of Jewish law to be informed by what we know to be a truth in the world. So, knowing this, let's go back in time about sixty-eight years. In the nineteen fifties, the Nebraska School Study Council conducted some research. Anybody familiar with this story? Okay, good. So in the 1950s, when the Nebraska school study, Council, uh, school study Council conducted some research using high school students. They wanted to find the most effective way to teach speed reading to students. And so they had a few different uh, systems in place to teach the students, and then they wanted to see which approach, which method, was the most effective. And what they found at the end of the study was that all three approaches were equally effective. However, what they did find, in addition to that, was much more interesting. They found that the students who were just average readers actually improved their reading speed. They made some modest little improvements. It wasn't amazing, but like, they were able to learn. However, the students who were already good and fast readers improved exponentially. They went from reading, on average, 300 words per minute to an astonishing 2,900 words per minute. It's insane, right? It's nuts. I can't imagine reading that quickly. I'm such a slow reader. I'm so envious of, a little side note, years ago, when I first met Rose, who's an incredibly intelligent woman and very fast reader, I was reading a book and she kept looking over my shoulder, on my Kindle, and she kept looking over my shoulder, wanted to see where I was and like, and she was getting annoyed that I was taking so long to go through the page. So I said, just download it to your Kindle, and so she did. I was a quarter through the book when she downloaded it. She finished the book when I was halfway through the book. So, I'm a very slow reader. It's really incredible to think how quickly they learn. Now, how quickly they learn to be able to improve so much. was something that was so intriguing about these findings that it actually piqued the interest of psychologists later on in the 80s and the 90s. And eventually, one of those psychologists, a man by the name of Martin Seligman, who would go on to serve as the president of the American Psychological Association, and in 1999, when he was serving as president, he encouraged the organization and all of its members to start looking at what he calls positive psychology. And he's really the founder of the movement of positive psychology based out of Penn, out of UPenn. Now, the reasoning of uh, of positive psychology goes as such. That which we are already good at, we can become that much better through positive encouragement. However, places where we already struggle, where we struggle, no matter how much we try to work at it, we're always going to keep hitting some sort of wall. And we're just going to get frustrated. Uh, and we're not really going to be able to make the improvements that we hope to see. So, this actually has a, a large role in human resources. A lot of organizations want to find employees that are very good at a certain task. And instead of making somebody do something that's just never going to be good at, you find the person who's really good at it, and you teach them it, and you encourage them, and they become that much more effective. And then you find those other people who have different skills, and you encourage them in their own, uh, where they're already pretty good. So so what is happening, what we're seeing here, is that science is already starting to show us that tov, to start doing good, can have a much more positive and powerful and long-lasting impact in comparison to Sur Merah. Which brings me back to my original question, which is, once you've decided to make change in your life, Which is the best approach between Sur Mirah and Asetov? Of course, the answer is, you need both. You have to have both approaches in your life, as I said earlier. But if you have to choose which one to start out on, I would argue that Nitzvot Shalom and that Martin Seligman, also Jewish, knows the right answer, which is that you have to start with the Asetov. You have to start making small little changes in your life. And we know this if we actually look at the way we talk to children. Right? With little kids. You tell them no. Right? Or you tell them that what they've done has been naughty. Or they've made a bad decision. Usually that doesn't have the effect that we want. But. If you tell a child yes. And you encourage them when they're doing good. And you tell them how proud you are. When they're making certain decisions. That encourages them, and they want to start doing more. And so that's exactly what we need to do with ourselves. We need to encourage ourselves. Don't beat ourselves up about those things where we're just not able to make those changes. Start doing those little things that we're able to do. Make those tiny little, take those tiny little steps. Do something that feels right. And eventually, that step will actually start to feel easy. And the more we start doing these good things, the more we'll realize how good it feels to do them, and how easy it is to do them. And we'll start doing more and more and become that much easier to actually walk away from the things that we want to leave behind. It'll be that much easier to start doing the sur mira, turning away. And hopefully, once you've decided what those changes are you want to make this year, once you've decided those first positive steps that you can take, then maybe next year, this time, when you're sitting here in this room, you'll be able to look back and realize how different you are and how easy it was to make that transformation and to find encouragement to be able to make the next change that you need to make at that point and the year after and the year after, always becoming better versions of yourselves. Exactly what the holidays demand of us. Shana Tova, everybody. Shana tovah.